Welcome to Babel on the Great, where we talk about Jehovah's Witnesses' latest, weirdest, and greatest teachings. I am XJW Caleb, and with me as always is Dax and Peems, aka my little Pimo. Guys, how are you doing? Not bad. How about you? I'm doing great. How are you, Dax? I am alone. Yeah, we, uh, right now, Peems is, is cheating on Dax with me down yep. in my neck part, my, my neck of the woods. So uh, Dax is all alone, and yeah. I have Peems all for myself, which is great. We've been apostatizing. Not really. We've, we've mainly been shopping and <laughs> eating, <laughs> eating food, lots of food, good food. We've been eating food. I had, yeah, for the very um, first time, I had a cigarette with, with a very nice scotch, and I liked it so much that I, I'm, I'm not allowing myself to have it more than twice a year because I will get addicted to that. Very, yeah, that is that is a slippery slope that I definitely want to slide down. So I also will never, ever be having a cigarette ever. No, That's, and I, no. I have the same rule. And it, it's nice to uh, it's nice to be back here. You know, I think in our previous episode, we talked about our recent uh, reasons for being out. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and we are just excited to be uh, recording again. Yeah. And we decided, like, maybe we, we can just talk about something that we all know, but we can just really take this chance to really dive into this and tell people whether they're associated with Jehovah's Witnesses or not how Jehovah's Witnesses shun because shunning is a huge part of the Jehovah's Witness culture now there are five stages of shunning we've talked about them uh, off air I don't know if you guys when you hear this like if you're listening I don't know if you're gonna um, agree with these particular divisions because it gets messy we'll get into it but let's just kickstart with the first stage of the Jehovah's Witness shun uh, process, which is being spiritually weak. Now, Dax, you had a really good uh, uh, definition for being spiritually weak that you gave us off air. Can you, can you give that right now, unprompted? Go. Yes. So You had, you had 30 seconds. Go. No, I'm, not, I'm uh, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, so, I, did not, we didn't, I did not ask you this before our hands. Sorry. So spiritually weak is one step below bad association because you don't know that you're bad association yet because you haven't quite hit that threshold. You're just having maybe not even doubts. Maybe you're just depressed. Maybe you're just human. And so you can't keep on top of your super hyper spiritual schedule. And so people start to notice and they start to notice that you're not going to meetings as much or you're not staying after to associate with people or maybe you're missing field service. And so people become concerned for you. And so they distance from you because they think maybe it's something in the world drawing you away instead of, you know, you just being exhausted. And then they soft shun you, but not really. They'll still invite you to hang out, but you'll notice it's to go out in service or, oh, exactly. you know, why don't you come over and join our family worship? spiritually weak people are not actually spiritually weak they're just not on top of their spiritual schedule so they get treated a little bit like they might tip into bad association so people start to handle them with kid gloves and it's like being shunned but not people stop letting you into their lives and start treating you like you're a stranger from work that they want to see do well but they don't really care and as as someone who has been you know usually on the in crowd um, I could tell you what it feels like from the other side. I think that there's, there's this, there's, I think as we talked about in our last, our, our last podcast, right, there's an in-group and an out-group. And, you know, if you are accepted by the in-group, there's things that indicate that. Um, and when you're on the out-group, when you're spiritually weak, you might be there because you're not commenting a lot. You're not going out in service a lot. 
nobody wants to be seen as associating with you personally. So yeah. the idea is that as a group, we're going to love bomb you. But individually, exactly. we don't want to taint our reputation by being with you. So you start losing personal connections and only receiving group connections. Exactly. You are shunned from personal connections only. That is that is the the key part of being spiritually weak. You're not allowed to have like a personal connection. You, there, people are not really allowed to be close friends with you, but they still make an effort and they sometimes you go out of their way to invite you to stuff as long as it's to benefit the religion, like preaching or like uh, going to, to, to a Bible study with someone who's, who's, who's studying or whatever. Like th that, that's what you'll do. I'll have, I have a here a quote from a question from readers from 1982. It's a little bit hard to find um, stuff about spiritually weak people. And before, they used to talk a little bit more openly, I think, because they didn't realize that things are going to be in, on the internet. <laughs> but in 1982, uh, there was a question from readers, and it said, My son, who was baptized as a teenager, is now married and has a family. Because of the pressure of earning a living, he has cooled off spiritually and does not associate with the congregation. Should he be viewed as a disassociated person, which will touch him, later on and what the watchtower says here is basically no it's it literally starts by saying there is nothing in your description that would require such a viewpoint the question may have arisen because of misunderstanding what it means to be viewed as disassociated and then it talks about the difference uh, of disassociation and then it talks about what you're supposed to do what the elders and other people are supposed to do with spiritually weak and it says so the elders and others might offer loving help and encouragement having in mind the advice straighten up the hands that hang down and the enfeebled knees i think they're using a different translation and keep making straight paths for your feet that what is that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather that it may be healed so may, basically it's just this generic text so here, it's saying very clearly, no, this person is not, you're not to associate very closely with this person, but some people may still reach lovingly to try to bring them back to the congregation because that's the main point. And if I may step in here on this, my brother who um, was kind of raised in the organization is a prime example of this. So a lot of the witnesses still ask about him. He's in his 40s now. Sorry not to reveal you, brother. But um, when... He was seven is when my mom decided to stop going to meetings. So he was never baptized. So when she started going to meetings again in a different hall in a different state, people would ask about him and kind of treat him like an inactive, spiritually weak person. But he had no intention of ever becoming a witness. He actively talked about how much he loves, you know, Norse mythology and stuff like that. And... um you know, like, but but people treat him as if he is a spiritually weak witness. And so he'd get invited to stuff sometimes and just, you know, no one would ever personally hang out with him. And he's never been a witness. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I think that article really highlights that idea of um, that degree specifically of separation. Uh, I think that um, a lot of these 
a lot of the witnesses are not trying to put out a punishment either. The witnesses who are doing it are doing it out of self-preservation. Because Definitely. if you are seen being an associate of someone who is spiritually weak, you in turn become spiritually weak. So they're trying to not get themselves seen as associating with spiritually weak. And, and they're told that the spiritually weak person can drag them down. So they need to like go out as a net, as a group, to drag them out. But they don't want to go in on their own because they might get dragged down with them and therefore people will perceive them as spiritually weak. So they're, they're again, they're not trying to punish the person. They are trying to preserve their own reputation. And so they did you actually one on one. Did you actually personally feel that way about preserving your own reputation? I don't think I thought it actively. Um, I thought that like, oh, it's dangerous to just hang out with people who are spiritually weak um, a lot. And I think I, I thought it, you know, I thought of it more as like, oh, the weak in me. Right. But also sometimes uh, I think there's a subconscious layer where you also know, um, you know, people will make assumptions if it's you hanging out with that person because you're judged by your associates. I was so much haughtier than that. I was, I was like, <laughs> I can change him. One of those people about yeah. every every inactive witness. I, I can help them. I'm spiritually strong. Oh, so, no, I, I was because I hadn't studied. <laughs> I actually usually like felt like I wanted to help them, but then also like, but I'm in danger if I, you know, if I try to do it alone. Did you yeah. actually feel like you were in danger though, considering your dad was not a witness? So yeah. you were constantly around worldly people anyways? Yeah, no, when, when it's a witness who is spiritually weak, um, usually I, I would like put a little more effort into it. Um, in fact, I can, I can name some friends that I've had that probably were in that classification, but also like you don't, um, you know, the, the whole thing of bad association spoils useful habits that gets drilled into you really is about, like, others will judge you for who your associates are. So I made sure to have a higher percentage of my friends be good association so I wouldn't be seen as being part of that spiritually weak group. So I would still hang out with spiritually weak people, but I made sure I had a majority of friends that were in the in-group. Do you relate to that, Caleb? Yeah, um, in fact, that that's kind of what I wanted to talk about uh, next, about spiritually weak people. Um, since you cannot stop going to meetings uh, and, and not be seen as spiritually weak, this is the best case scenario for a Jehovah's Witness who stops believing. <laughs> the best case scenario is that the people inside will consider them spiritually weak. So the person will have a very, very, very hard time developing personal relationships with other people. And it's not just because of self-preservation within the congregation. I would also argue that it's because of self-preservation in this system of things. Remember, Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Armageddon can come at any moment. And you're only as good as your, your last day of being a witness. So if you've been hanging out with people who are spiritually weak... You lessen your chances of surviving Armageddon, which is how I used to see it, uh, like my yes. my way of doing self-preservation. So I do agree with Peems, but in a in a different level. <laughs> Could I just say that what you just said was really profound, saying you're only as good as your last day alive being a Jehovah's Witness? Because I think yeah. that idea mm -hmm. really adds so much pressure and guilt on witnesses, which is why anytime they have any doubts, they're like, what if Armageddon happens right now while I'm having this doubt and then I die? Definitely. Oh, yeah, 100%. And, 
That's because uh, I've never really heard that put into words, but that truly is kind of the guiding thought behind what keeps witnesses in check and keeps themselves reporting and keeps them policing themselves. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure I stole that from someone who I just I'm, I'm just not going to credit right now because I don't remember where I heard that. But yeah, uh, I feel that is definitely something that Jehovah's Witnesses do. They're very afraid of becoming spiritually weak, not just because of the, um, the association and um, the consequences that they'll have within the community, but because of, hey, Armageddon can come tomorrow. And what if I'm spiritually weak? What if I'm not good enough? What if my good is not good enough, as Samuel Heard once said? It really highlights to me how selfish true belief in the religion is. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. I had I had false belief in it. I thought it was something else. And so my mom raised me to literally, oh, you see someone who's struggling? That's your friend. Like, you see someone, and not just spiritually, like in any sort of struggle, whether I wanted to be friends with them or not, you help that person. You help the underdog. And you don't just help them. You become their best friend. Because they need a best friend. Because no one else is their friend. So that's your job. And so I got kind of the opposite effect. Where I was constantly around super spiritually weak people. People who were just mentally ill and not in the witness way. I mean like people with depression. And like, no, not just depression. Much. Not just depression. But like, you know, like people having a real bad time. And so I thought I was doing the Christian thing and helping them out. Right? Because I didn't study, and so I was like, "No, this is my job." And instead, and so instead, you were getting you branded are, as spiritually weak. In the faith. So yeah. I always thought that people who were hanging out with me when I was spiritually weak were doing the same thing, and I never thought about. It makes me kind of sad now to know that they were just kind of. <laughs> they were all in the out group. They were all in the out group. They were. They were trying to save themselves. Oh man, that makes me sad. There's only one person that definitely didn't, and I won't mention her name, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Well, fortunately, you can still uh, hang out with spiritual weak people. That is how some people in my hometown, like most people see me as spiritually weak, uh, uh, as a spiritually weak person, because they know that I've been through a lot. So they they can, I think that they can just excuse themselves and, and say, oh, it's fine that I'm hanging out with, with Caleb. He's just discouraged He's right been now. through a lot. He's very discouraged. He's, he's spiritually discouraged. He's spiritually weak. But if I just hang out with him, I can just bring him back. And for a long time, like I was, I, I was mentally in um, for, a lo- for, for 10 years. So for 10 years, that was right uh, up until like uh, April from last year. But now, like since I started researching the religion, I became immediately bad association. Now, bad association is the second degree of shunning. Bad association happens when someone isn't an exemplary Jehovah's Witness and is very clear that it, that is an unrepentant behavior. Whereas spiritually weak people are like, oh, it's just, they just need encouragement. Once you've proven that the encouragement is not enough and that you're just going to double down on not going to the meetings, on not doing what you're supposed to do as a, as a Jehovah's Witness, you become bad association. Now, bad association, do you have the, the Bible verse where bi- bad association comes from, Pim? Uh, I do not have it up because you gave me no warning, but I will, um, I can go I, find I it. I haven't. I'll, I'll remove this bit and just, just cut to you. Re- Why, yes, Caleb, I do, in fact, have it ready and prepared to share right now. Of course, we prepared this beforehand. Okay. Please read it to us. First Corinthians. Pim. That's First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. 
I'll wait while you find that in your Bibles. That oh, is. hold on, hold on. We need First to add Corinthians, some realism. chapter 15 and verse 33. Let absolutely me add some not. Bible. I will absolutely Bible not. Meet. Excellent, excellent. Actually, I'm, I should go get my Bible. No, don't do not. Yes, I have it. Okay. Ooh, I have, I have like an 1868 polyglot Bible I can go get. Stop showing off. Every scripture in the we polyglot. Will, we will need it for this one. Now, let me read my it's scripture. I gotta read my verse. scripture. Please. Sorry, read your scripture, please. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be misled. Bad associations spoil useful habits. Come to your senses in a righteous way and do not practice sin, for some have no knowledge of God. I am speaking to move you to shame. Now, Jehovah's Witnesses take that and they frequently link it with Psalms chapter 15 and verse 4, which says, He rejects anyone who is contemptible, but he honors those fearing Jehovah. And and the list of things that come before Psalms chapter 15 and verse 4 are a bunch of things like slandering and speaking truth and not defaming people. They're not like hard sins. So Jehovah rejects people who do these things, and then they link that with bad association. So bad association aren't people who break the hard rules. They're people who break the soft rules. They're people who are um, maybe stand up to the elders a lot, or maybe who don't do the things they're told to do. They're people who, uh, you know, maybe are gossipy if by whatever the elders decide. Um, so it's not so much of a formal process. Nobody announces you as bad association. There are things that can be announced no. that make you into bad association. A bad association is usually informal. People know that associating with you will mark them as associating with part of the out group. And you're a person who is violating this, uh, the spirit of the law without violating can we be, the heavy laws. Can we be honest about this, though? Because you are... Maybe you are not marked in public officially by JW literature, but um, the elders are gossipy sons of bitches, and mm -hmm. they yeah. do, like, they tell everybody. They tell yeah, the everyone, elders. and then they claim the wives spread it around, but no, they talk to each other, and they spread it to their kids, and then they spread it to their wives, and it gets everywhere. No, yeah. and the elders also have, like, this inner circle with uh, with the ministerial servants, which are also held power. Like, le they're, like, lesser elders in the congregation. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, um, the Jehovah's Witnesses are divided in congregations, and those congregations are usually sort of, like, directed by elders who are the guys that are in charge of keeping everything up to Jeho Jehovah's Witness standards. Those elders have ministerial servants who are basically like junior elders. They don't get all of the responsibilities of being an elder, but they also don't get all the cachet of being an elder. So what usually happens is that the elders tell people, uh, tell their inner circle of elders and ministerial servants. Then the ministerial servants, I'm struggling to say that word. Please don't <laughs> focus too much on it. Like, I could see you, Dax, just, just about to call me out. So I, ju I just had to no, race. No, I would never. <laughs> so the ministerial servants tell the, the other publisher, like the ranking file, and then everyone knows who is bad association, who is not doing what the elders are expecting people to do. And that's well, pretty much how you become and I mean, a, a, a bad association. Part of that, too, is the ministerial servants are typically between the ages of 15 and 25. Yeah. Typically, yeah. but, but there's and also so they're teenagers. Hold on. And so they're teenagers and teenagers have friends and teenagers talk and teenagers get around to other halls. And so you're not just marked in your own congregation. You're marked amongst all the congregations in your area. You don't lose that reputation. 
Yeah, and and I do want to say with bad association though, when it's when it's because I, I think I think our next thing is going to be the more formal forms of that. But when you're bad association through osmosis through culture, um, it it can be just doing things that don't fit the culture. For example, if you're a girl who dresses and you show too much leg. That can make oh, yeah. people can be like, oh, that's bad association. Ooh, if you, or in if, my hall, if you don't wear stockings. Uh, yeah, and there was a time of like, um, you know, playing playing Halo, uh, put you in the bad association group. Mm-hmm. Oh no! But you want to hear something even more mundane? Mm-hmm. Uh, in my hall, if you got sideswept bangs. Yeah. So they're vi- sideswept bangs if your bangs were pushed to the side they were worldly bangs yeah so so violating cultural norms where's that those only yeah what kind of whore wears (laughs) surely one of me it was me so yeah that that was a joke we we respect sex workers and 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 we we encourage sex workers and we support all of them so what what i'm trying to get across here is that bad association can can come from both um Picking the ticking off the wrong people on the in group who spread gossip, or it can come from violating unwritten cultural norms. Growing a beard as a man, short skirt as a woman, um, do flaunting that you know you're not going to. If if you post pictures that you went, uh, you were hanging out with a worldly person on a night on a meeting night, right? Um, or on any night. Yeah, like insta your Instagram showing you doing things, showing you going to an R-rated movie, right? Like. An R-rated movie doesn't get you disfellowshipped, but it can get you marked. It can get you seen as bad association. Playing, playing high school sports. Playing high yeah. school sports. He, Violating cultural norms within Jehovah's Witnesses puts you in this category. So, um, what I want to what I want to share though is that like compared, to, what's the difference in punishment between being spiritually weak and being bad association? Well, when you are spiritually weak, the group makes an effort to pull you in, but the individuals move away from you. When you're bad association, the group will stop inviting you as well. Um, yes. Because now you are seen as someone who's a real danger to others, and so they have to wait for you. You have to want, you have to stop your behaviors. You have to stop whatever it is that gets you seen as bad association so that you can graduate back up to spiritually weak, and then the group love bombs you. So maybe if you start going back to meetings again, if you start going to meetings again and stop whatever behavior you had, shave your beard off, now you can be spiritually weak again, and you might get invited to a watchtower study. Yeah, you upgrade to spiritually weak, basically. And that is something, I, I'm trying to stop saying that is something, because I'm realizing that I, that I, that I say it a lot. No, it's a really good Actually, it's, Yeah, I, I like it. it. It's like a catchphrase. Yeah. <laughs> Please. We'll make shirts Perfect. out of it. That is something. That is something that... Jehovah's Witnesses, when they're trying to fade out, sometimes do because they rather be seen as spiritually weak than bad association. Because when when you're bad association, you no longer get invited to weddings. You no longer get invited to parties. You no longer like those stuff. You may get invited if you're spiritually weak, but you're probably not going to get invited if you're bad association. Well, I'm not sure if I agree with you, um, but I, I can see both ways. Uh, I think that for someone to Read. fade, disagree with me. for someone to fade, they actually might want to be marked as bad association, not a spiritually weak, because then people stop nagging them to come to the meetings. But but your terrible friends will still hang out with you. Yeah, but you're not going to get invited to the weddings. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, I'm... you will. You will. And, no, no, that's um, spiritually weak. If you're yes, if you're bad association, you still will. Oh, I've seen sometimes. apostates at 
Sometimes. Weddings. That's right. I've seen depends, actual. Depends who's doing the wedding. I have seen actual known apostates. Yeah, you're right. You're right. At weddings. You're right. The wedding. The weddings are the wrong. It depends answer. on your friends. We're calling you out, Jake. You. We've seen no, you at Jehovah's Witnesses. Just so wedding. you know, these friends still have not unfriended me. We've seen you having a great time over there. I know. I should reach out, but I'm scared. One of them is an elder. But you know, when you're definitely not going to get invited to weddings is if you are marked. Now, marking is not really something that Jehovah's Witnesses talk about a lot. Before uh, recording the podcast, we were struggling to figure out, like, why is it that we have such a hard time figuring out what a marking talk is? Because if you have listened to previous episodes, you may have known, you may, you may know that I myself was marked, and I didn't know it because I wasn't aware of it. So, Peems, do you know, uh, like, how many times, we, we were talking about this, do you figure out how many times they mention marking? Yes, and so I kind of want to share that I, I feel like most Jehovah's Witnesses don't know the term marking talk. Most active witnesses don't know the term marking talk as an official term. I always thought it was part of the local needs parts because that's when they do it. In the local needs segment, they will give a talk and the talk will be about a local need. And sometimes that local need... Hold on, hold on. For, for someone who's not a Jehovah's Witness, Jehovah's Witnesses have in their meetings, in their midweek meetings, once a month will have a part or uh, a talk called local needs where they talk about, guess what? Local needs from the congregation. Uh, usually about hey, you should donate more or you're not going to the to, to the meetings as much. Attendance has, has been uh, lower. Or uh, or they'll use it or they'll use it to give a, a part. What, what most people would call a sermon, but Jehovah's Witnesses like to have their own language and use worse words. Um, <laughs> so they'll have a meeting part where they um, where they say, you know, people can engage in this behavior and it's a very dangerous behavior to engage in. So if someone was engaging in this behavior, they should stop it. And if we know someone who is engaging in this behavior, we probably shouldn't hang around them. There's actually a really good example of a marking talk in the movie Apostasy. And when I first watched the movie Apostasy, I wasn't a huge fan of it because I felt like it wasn't realistic in terms of how the family interacted with each other. But at the same time, I am not British, so maybe our British listeners can fill me in on that um, if you watch the movie. So in the movie, and I won't spoil it, but clearly you can gauge from the name of it kind of what the movie's about. So this mother who's a devout witness, um, after her daughter is disfellowshipped, she keeps trying to find excuses to help her because her daughter has a baby and is alone. So the mother will say, oh, you know, I'm just going over to clean her house. And... One of the brothers in the hall keeps checking on her. And eventually she's sitting in the Kingdom Hall and the brother gives a marking talk talking about how he shouldn't associate with, with disfellowshipped ones. And it's a really intense scene and she actually walks out in the middle of the scene. And, you know, we've seen that a lot during marking talks. Oftentimes a person getting marked will break down. They'll either start crying in their seat. And if you know who they are and you know who's being marked, you can see it. Or they'll head towards the back of the hall or they'll leave the meeting. It's very embarrassing and it's very soul crushing. And I think apostasy did a really good job of demonstrating what a marking talk looks like. You can watch it for free online. So it, if you just Google the movie, um, we support, can, like if you can support it, that's better. Uh, but, but yeah, if, well, if you can, well, hold on. you can well, still watch it. 
yeah so hold on though so it's it's a free movie um and if you want to you can go uh fast forward to that scene to see a really good example of um what a marking talk looks like because it's kind of hard to envision yeah uh marking basically happens when um a jehovah's witness has done something that gets very close to what jehovah's witnesses consider a gross sin like sleeping with someone or um being an alcoholic, uh, that that kind of stuff. We'll, we'll get more into that in a little bit later. Um, well, but, but I, I would, mean, so I would oh. still argue though that they haven't broken okay. a rule. Yes. Well, okay. So, uh, and it's also used for stubborn individuals. So, for example, let's say there's a brother in the hall who will not shave his beard. You're allowed to have a beard, technically, um, but if your hall doesn't like it, they might give talks on how arrogant doing something of our own free will is in the eyes of God, and especially if it could stumble others. And, and you know they're talking about the brother with the beard. Yeah, you know but it. That, this is key. The marking talk still doesn't address the person by name. It does everything but address the person by name. You'll usually know because they're, they, they really, like, it, it's like, it's a challenge. Like, how close can we get to reveal this person's identity? It's, without it's revealing it. Yeah. But, but they will still not reveal your name. Uh, that signals your congregation that, hey, this person is really not to be invited to weddings or not to be invited to any parties, not to be associated with outside of the kingdom hall. You can still talk to them here. But for a while, this person is not to be associated with. Nothing is worse than being marked unless you're an elder or someone in, higher up in the echelons of society within GW yeah. society and being marked because no yeah. one forgets it spreads oh, so yeah. fast if you're a nobody and you get marked all right you lose your friends if you are somebody and you get marked you're never going to be able to do anything ever again it's the end that's it for you so i want to say that i think the first th- three right um spiritually weak bad association and marking talk they're all connected um, marking talk, the consequences are the same as bad association, but bad association is spread through the grapevine and it's spread yeah, exactly. through what people see. Marking means everyone is basically identified that you are bad association. So it's the same consequences as bad association, but it's on a loudspeaker. Everyone. Yeah, it's formalizing told, it. It's formalized. It is making you into bad association whereas before people were deciding for themselves that you were bad association. Um, and in a religion that is that is so worried about appearances, that really signals other people, oh, I can't be seen with this person. Yes. Because they're officially, like, I don't have an excuse anymore. They're officially bad association, like, by the elders. And the reason I say these first three are connected, spiritually weak, bad association, and marking talk, is because all of these do not require you to have broken a Jehovah's Witness rule. The latter two do, but at this point in the system, you have not officially broken a rule. You have engaged in behaviors that the elders don't like, whether that's talking back to the elders or um, flaunting something. You know, maybe someone told you you shouldn't watch those movies and you kept going to those movies. Um, Yeah. With me, I brought my worldly girlfriend, a.k.a. girlfriend who wasn't a Jehovah's Witness, and I brought her into the kingdom hall. And everyone realized that I was dating a non-witness, which is a, a no-no in the Jehovah's Witnesses. You're not to be uh, disfellowshipped or 
punished any more severely, but they would still gave a marking talk because of that. And that's how I ended up being marked. Yeah. So the marking talk does not is is when you violate informal rules, rules that are not written down, rules that are and a lot of those rules can be whatever the elders want. Because we had an elder who gave a marking talk because he thought he thought someone was getting married too young. And he gave a marking talk about it. No, he thought multiple couples were getting married too young. Yeah. And he defined the age of the bloom of youth. He oh, gave wow. it a number. He had he trouble said, for if it. you are under the age of 21, you should not be getting married. Is he right? I mean, yeah. He's but right. <laughs> he's right. But also, if you're under the age of 21, good luck not having sex with somebody. Exactly. Because that's what's what well, that's a whole other so that's a whole other can of worms though so having sex no. breaks a phys- an actual rule and brings us to the next exactly area. it does exactly. but also like he defined the bloom of youth which is a big 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 no-no you do not define that um that's a, that's a whole thing also, that's a whole separate story he also had a thing where he would far. not he would not go to any wedding if the bride or the groom were under the age of 21 it was yeah, I kind of respect it now, but at the time I was like, something's wrong with you. But he was trying to get those people publicly shamed, so I don't respect it. That I don't respect. I respect the perspective. But yeah, so uh, like those three are connected. They're just different degrees. When you're spiritually weak, recap. Wait, 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 real quick. I would like to say for all of the witnesses, that ex-witnesses that feel bad right now for getting married young, I was 19. That's why I'm saying it. So don't feel bad. This is not a sh- to shame you if you got married young. Yeah, it's just rough. Dangerous. Um... Here is the, so just recapping here, spiritually weak, the group will love bomb you, the individuals will avoid you. Bad association, people will try to avoid being seen with you, and you have to change some coded behavior to become spiritually weak again. Marking talk formalizes, tells everyone to see you as bad association. And so here's what I have. So stepping back. A moment ago, um, I expressed how most of us didn't know the words marking talk. Most of us think it's part of the local needs, and it's just a normal thing to name and, name and shame behaviors during the local needs. Um, however, I have found all of the locations in which the Watchtower talks about marking talks. It's listed in two books, only two books out of all the literature. And those books are... The Secret Elders book, Shepherd the Flock of God, which the average witness cannot read. And in the Organized to Do God's Will book, which is a book that is only given to publishers. Um, and it's in a, just a minor paragraph note that's easily forgettable. Most people only ever study that book once if they study it. And it just lay because it's an incredibly boring book that lays out how the congregation is supposed to be organized. Um, yeah. And so it describes that process and calls it marking disorderly ones. Uh, It says that the elders should not be hasty in giving a warning talk. It's something that they're supposed to do the moment they think something might be wrong to stamp down on dissent, essentially. Um, And like I said before, you don't have to violate an official rule. You just have to do something that enough of the elders think is might rub off on other people. However, if you do violate an official rule, you will only have the remaining two options in our shunning list. The, the second to last shunning stage of Jehovah's Witnesses, and I would argue second to worst, is public reproof. Now, public reproof is the first time, the, 
in this in these stages of shunning people where Jehovah's Witnesses will actually go out and tell you the kind of person, like the name of the person that you are to avoid. Whereas a, a marked person get, gets marked by a talk and it's basically a sermon saying, hey, we shouldn't be doing what some people in the congregation, <coughs> Kevin, has been doing. A public reproof only happens at the end of the meeting. And the only thing that happens is they read the name of the person and says and say has been publicly reproved. And then they do the last prayer and then the meeting is over. That's it. That signals to you what pin. Like what what would you think of when you heard that someone close to you had been publicly reproved? It, what did they do? It means immediately. It means that they committed a sin that had the consequence of disfellowship. But, but they, they convinced sorry. the elders that they were sorry. Yes. And okay. therefore, we have been told that they did something wrong. And we have but been. they're sorry. And it, the matter is closed, and we're not supposed to ask about what it was. And what do we all do? Gossip. Ask what it was. Of because course. if you. Because, well, I just want to make sure that they didn't sleep with somebody, because I don't know if I want to spend time with someone who slept with someone before marriage. No, but look, um, I have a list, actually, of, of the reasons why, like the official rules, if you call it. Because we've been teasing our audience, and if you're not a Jehovah's Witness, you're like, what are these official rules? Well, they're a little bit hard to pinpoint if you're just a Jehovah's Witness. But if you're an elder, you would get this extra secret manual that only elders get. And this manual has a chapter, the chapter 12 of the manual, uh, called Determining Whether a Judicial Committee Should Be Formed. And it gives the reasons why a judicial committee uh, can and should be formed. Now, a judicial committee is the process of the elders getting together, figuring out whether they're either going to publicly reprove you or disfellowship you. And here's, here are the offenses that, says, that are required under offenses requiring review by the elders. Sexual immorality, which can involve just any sexual activity that is not between married straight people. Strong circumstantial evidence of sexual immorality. Adulterous marriage, which is basically marrying someone who was divorced uh, without any reason to be divorced, a.k.a. someone cheating. Child abuse. Gross uncleanness. So child abuse is listed right next to Refusing to shower. Um, and, and I would add, my uncle, may he rest in peace, hoarding. Yeah. Brazen conduct, drunkenness, gluttony, stealing or thievery, delivery, deliberate malicious lying, fraud or slander, reviling, which we'll touch on it later, obscene speech, which... I think, uh, like, we're trying not to do in this episode. I think I'm already, I, like, I'm already doing. I already, Greed. like, mumbled the F word. <laughs> Greed, gambling, and extortion. So, basically, going to a casino in Vegas, that, that, that is a thing. Refusal the casinos provide... in Montana, you, you can go to a casino in Montana, though, because no one lives there and they won't see you. Oh, all right. So, that's a little tip for Jehovah's Witnesses, friends. Refusal to provide for family. 
fits of anger, violence, domestic violence, manslaughter, or the last one, apostasy, which is what we're doing right now. And I just want to add. Let's go. Brazen conduct. Brazen conduct can mean almost anything. Oh yeah, do you do you guys want to touch on any of this? Because any of yes. this could be its own episode. So let's not let's not get too distracted on this because these are there are a lot. But 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 where do you I just want to say because... celebrating a birthday, celebrating oh, Christmas, yeah. all of those things could get you disfellowships. Yeah, that falls under apostasy. So under apostasy is listed celebrating false religious holidays, participation in interfaith activities, deliberate deliber. You know, I, I'm telling you, I can't deliberate. Wait for De- deliberate, deliberately spreading teachings contrary to Bible truth, causing divisions, promoting sects, employment, promoting false religion, wait, 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 spiritism, let's, or idolatry. Let's pause though, because you said contradictory teachings to Bible truths. However, let's acknowledge the fact that these Bible truths are the misinterpretations. From the Jehovah's Witnesses, from the Watchtower Society. Oh, if yeah, you disagree with their interpretation of the Bible, you are disagreeing with Bible truth. And okay. just for the sake of completeness, or sorry, contradicting there, there are Bible like truth. three reasons here that are also reasons to either like to, to public reprove you that are not listed here, uh, which are reasons for disassociation, which include non-neutral activities, voting, joining voting. another religion, and receiving a blood transfusion. And non-neutral activities includes voting. Now, I want to. I want to really oh, make or, something hold clear. On, let's get a little bit less extreme than voting or taking a political stance, regardless of yes. whether or not you've actually Going voted. To a protest that also qualifies. Or volunteering with a group that's affiliated with anything else other than the witnesses. Like if you went and picked up trash with a group that happens to be part of a social justice group. Apostasy. Now, I want to be clear to our viewers. This is this is important for people who are or not witnesses. No one's, no one's seeing us unless they're True. on acid. I think. Uh, <laughs> Have you noticed that Pima really does believe that people are watching us, though? Because every yes. single episode, he calls them viewers. Our I'm poor listeners. <laughs> they're like, I'm blind. <laughs> Sorry, Pima. We interrupted you. <laughs> so, um, for our listeners who are may not have never been one of Jehovah's Witnesses, I really think this is important to explain. All those rules we list, we listed out that can sound a little bit just, you know, you, you might not get the full impact. Every single one of those things is a hard rule that is worse than all the things I've talked about so far. Um, being spiritually yes. weak, being bad association, your marking talk. Those are all punishments you get for following rules that were not listed there. So when we talk about public reproof, I mean... Any of those things he listed. So joining the YMCA and going to the gym there. Heathen. It, that is a non-neutral Heretic. activity because they're, it's joining an organization from another religion. Um, <clears throat> celebrating your child's birthday party. These, I better not Doing see you any one of these tales. things once can lead you in front of a panel of old men who are going to sit and ask you how sorry you are. And if you can convince them that you are sorry, you get publicly shamed. That's your best Excellently case. Put. Now, there are so oh, many wait, angles, we need which to, is why... Yeah, I, I apologize. Ahead. We do need to clarify real quick that up until this point, everything that could happen to you before public reproof can happen to you regardless of whether or not you're baptized. You just have to be a publisher. Public reproof, can you be publicly reproved if you are only a publisher? 
because no, you, you can't get disfellowship. You have to be baptized. You have to be baptized. So up until this point, we were talking about non-baptized members and baptized members. To be publicly reproved, you would have to be a baptized member as far as we believe. Yes. That is a good observation. And so, baptized members, usually members get baptized, what, like at 30, like Jesus, right? <laughs> is that the Jehovah's Witness Cut that in half and then subtract three. I was baptized at 12. I was baptized at, at 15, and I was it, it was late. You were halfway Most of to Jesus, though. my friends were baptized though. at 9. Well, my yeah. sister was baptized at 19, and oh, people wow. thought that was scandalous. Yeah, that was... Oh, she was basically an apostate. Well, and she was dating someone who was in bad standing. So no, there, there are many horrible They They could not get married in the this. Kingdom Hall. And I want to I add something else to this. Um... I think it's really important to understand that these these hard rules that you the ones you listed, um, you are under these rules no matter your state as a witness. Even if you've tried to leave, if you've faded and you've become spiritually weak or bad association, people won't hang out with you. They won't get coffee with you. They they're you are bad association. They don't want to be seen with you. But if anyone finds out you broke a rule, they can bring you right back in in front of a panel and reprove you. Or worse. Usually. So Usually. even if you are an ex-witness, you are subject to the rules if anyone finds out if you have not been punished yet. Another horrible angle that we I, I'd like to not dwell too much in is that you can get... It, we have listed on the same list something as simple as smoking a cigarette with child abuse. To a Jehovah's Witness, those two are equally bad things that deserve the same treatment. If you abuse from a child and you're not repentant, or if you keep smoking cigarettes, to a Jehovah's Witness, that is, that is practically the same thing because it deserves the same punishment. I got something worse for you, Caleb. Oh, yeah, please. Let's, let's change into a worse thing so we don't dwell on this too much. Viewing child pornography... Um, is not grounds for a judicial committee. Oh, yeah. Could you explain real quick what a judicial committee is? Because up until this point, the punishments have not required one. Yes. Yes. So I think we we just mentioned a a judicial committee real quick. So please, just no. Why don't you sorry to our new listeners? No, it's fine. It's just sorry to our new listeners because we're trying to uh, talk about how Jehovah's Witnesses shun you, but there is so much doctrine based on nothing that we have to go through just so people can understand just the intricacies of yeah, this religion. There's a lot of that, cultural yeah. things that you need to be aware of. And unfortunately, witnesses um, do not report things to the authorities because a lot of their things they view as sins and not crimes. And, and so they have an internal judicial committee and the judicial committee decides whether or not you are publicly reproved. They basically decide whether or not you get a marking talk, a public reproof, um, and some of the things we'll talk about later. So... Basically, um, you get a judicial committee when uh, after the elders meet with you, three of them, and you plead your case, basically. And your case is, I am guilty, but I'm sorry. If your case is not, I am guilty, but I'm sorry, you're going to face a much worse consequence, which um, unless uh, Peems has anything more to say, I think this would be a good time to lead into that. Yeah, we can lead right into this fellowship. That was a great segue. I should learn from you. This fellowshipping, um, we're just going to read the definition of this fellowshipping directly from the source. Uh, this is from How to Remain in God's Love, um, edition, 2017 edition, page 241. <clears throat> Under this fellowshipping, it says, when someone who has seriously sinned 
aka done one of the things that uh, we heard on the list, does not repent and refuses to follow Jehovah's standards, he can no longer be a member of the congregation. He needs to be disfellowshipped. When someone is disfellowshipped, we have no more dealings with that person and we stop talking to him. The disfellowshipping arrangement protects Jehovah's name and the congregation. Disfellowshipping is also discipline that can help someone to repent so that he can return to Jehovah. That is how Jehovah's Witnesses view disfellowshipping. Now, how far yes. does that go? It is such a loving arrangement, you know, <laughs> because I know that when I make a mistake and I'm sorry and it's I'm not deemed sorry enough, I think the best thing for me is to withdraw my entire support system and culture away from me. I think that is the answer. Yeah, that is no. sarcasm. Just, I, <laughs> yeah. Let me just read you the latest, because let's remember, Jehovah's Witnesses only uh, agree with whatever they've printed last. So this is from the Watchtower from February 2022, page six. It says, we do well to remember that this fellowshipping is Jehovah's arrangement and that it benefits the congregation and might benefit the wrongdoer. If an unrepentant wrongdoer were permitted to remain in the congregation, he would be a corrupting influence. In addition, he may not recognize the seriousness of his sin, and he may have little incentive to adjust his thinking and actions so that he can regain Jehovah's favor. So here is basically saying, you in black and white terms, this fellowshipping is for us to emotionally blackmail people into coming back to this religion. And this doesn't just go for your friends. Let's just uh, listen to this quick little video um, that shows disfellowshipping in action. I love my brother, and I always wanted to be like him. But those pictures of him partying with kids from school showed he was living a double life. I didn't want to get him in trouble. But I knew I had to say something. But I knew it was the right thing to do. Of course we were proud of Danny. But at the time, we were a little distracted. Maybe somehow it was all just a misunderstanding. We needed to know what was going on. We just wanted to help him. Even faithful Samuel had sons who deviated from Jehovah's standards. We wanted to help our son. Just as Samuel didn't alter his course and Jehovah stood by him, we knew if we did things his way, 
he'd stand by us. This is the parents in front of the elders telling on their son. Yeah, as, That's as what's people being are listening here. to the audio. Because the parents are not allowed to determine whether their yeah. son, even if the son is a minor, whether the son deserves uh, punishment or not. That is up to the elders. And let's think about that for a second. If you were Catholic and your kid, sorry, if your kid, if your child um smoked a cigarette and you're catholic would you immediately drag them to the priest and say kick my kid out please excommunicate him no you'd smack some sense into your kid and i'm not saying that's okay either but but you would not you would not you would not drag your child to your church pastor or religious leader for little things like that you would handle it like a parent and then if it continues to be a problem, maybe bring in spiritual gui guidance or whatever. But for witnesses, the first, for witnesses, the first trained reaction is we must take our children before these three old men so they can determine for us how we're going to handle this. And that is, and that is, and that is frankly disturbing. So I don't think we've actually fully explained what disfellowshipping is for a viewer who might not be a Jehovah's Witness. I'm going to share this video here that is going to demonstrate it in action. Looking back, my parents tried hard to do the right thing, to do things Jehovah's way. But because I didn't have a hatred for what's bad, I couldn't see anything wrong with my choices. This eventually led me to do things I later regretted. I ended up getting disfellowshipped. Sonia Erickson has been disfellowshipped. It crushed my whole family. Later, my father explained to me that I couldn't remain in the home because I refused to change my lifestyle. He told me I was having a negative effect on my younger brother and sister. And I'm out of this house. I was determined to do what I wanted. When I left home that day, all I could think about was Eric. I didn't even care that my parents' hearts were breaking. I didn't think about the devastation and disappointment that I had caused them. I blamed my parents for my situation. I even blamed Jehovah. Mom and Dad saw that they needed to be loyal, just like Aaron. They loved me and wanted me to come back to Jehovah. I tried to contact them. I just wanted to talk and to hear their voice. 
I missed being with my family. And they thought about reaching out to me. But they knew that if they had associated with me, even a little, just to check on me, that small dose of association might have satisfied me. It could have made me think that there was no need to return to Jehovah. What we see in this video is um, we see the process of someone being disfellowshipped. Now, disfellowshipping is the Jehovah's Witness word for shunning. Um, so she's in the audience. She's a young woman. And they announce that she is disfellowshipped and everyone gasped, looks around, and she has to make the, the march of shame out of there uh, because once your name is announced on the stage as disfellowshipped, or in other words, so-and-so is no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses. No one may speak to you. They won't talk to you. They can't talk to you in the kingdom hall. They can't talk to you on the street. They'll usually avoid eye contact if they see you in any way, shape, or form. With a few exceptions for work, they will not speak to you. Um, in this video, we see the parents um, debating about uh, whether to send their child and deciding on it because if they give their child any association, then their child may not feel the need to come back. So they state outright that they're essentially doing this to emotionally manipulate their child into coming back to the religion. Um, Jehovah's Witnesses will say that they don't force families to shun families. And it is only technically true on a certain level in that officially you cannot be disfellowshipped for associating with a disfellowshipped family member. Uh, however, they will show these videos telling you you are not doing the right thing if you don't shun them. And if you do uh, fail to shun them, you will likely get marked as bad association. Uh, Dax, I see you raising your hand there. Please. That, no, you said what I was going to lead into was that if you end up breaking this non-rule rule, you get marked. Yeah. Marking talk like we talked about earlier. Yeah. So if you if you associate with disfellowshipped people who are not family members, you can be disfellowshipped. If you associate with disfellowshipped family members, you can still be marked or made to be bad association. And there's... A really insidious reason that they do this um the longer that the disfellowshipped person is away the more likely it is that they're getting more wrapped up in the world at least that's the perception and probably the truth so what the witnesses do is they use a lot of um they use a lot of strong language to send subliminal subliminal messages that make you scared to talk to these people they're they're basically like the lowest in the jw cast system and in the July 2022 article for the July 2022 study edition of the Watchtower th this year, one of the paragraphs in one of the studies that I can't see because I screenshot this a while ago says, to answer the question, what is one challenge that Kingdom preachers face today? Kingdom preachers being your average Jehovah's Witness. One challenge that Kingdom preachers face is opposition. And they want you to view disfellowshipped people as opposers. Apostates... Hi. Religious leaders and politicians have given many the wrong impression about our work. If our relatives, acquaintances, and workmates are misled by this propaganda, and the propaganda could be you getting disfellowshipped because you spoke out about a pedophile, they may pressure us to stop serving Jehovah and to stop preaching. In some countries, the opposite... Oh, 
In some countries, the opposition takes the form of intimidation, threats, arrests, and even imprisonment. We are not surprised at this reaction. Jesus foretold, you will be hated by all the nations on account of my name. The very fact that we are experiencing such hatred is proof that we have Jehovah's approval. The devil is behind this opposition, but he is no match for Jesus. So what they're doing here is they're making you look at your own child as someone who's being led by the devil. And that causes you to not only reject your child, but reject anything that may seem worldly, right? So we made fun earlier talking about sideswept bangs being a reason to be marked. But what they're looking for is behaviors that they can demonize as worldly behaviors so they can further isolate yeah, you from the world. And why is it that they want to isolate you from the world? Because for, for a lot of people listening who are not um, into Jehovah's Witnesses, they would think, okay, so you can't associate with the other people in the religion, but you can associate like with your friends outside, right? Like you, you, you just don't associate with those who happen to be Jehovah's Witness. But unfortunately, that's not an option when you're a Jehovah's Witness because the people who are very so, so clearly not Jehovah's Witnesses are the, pe the 8 billion people that live in the world who are, profess any other religion or no religion whatsoever. Those are cl clearly labeled as bad association. Now, let me just read you really quick what the Watchtower had to say about bad association. In the Life and Ministry Meeting Workbook, a uh, workbook that they go th Jehovah's Witnesses go through in their midweek meeting, um, the one from April 2020, there's a subheading called The Tragic Results of Bad Association. And there's a short uh, part because it's, I'm imagining it's just, it's just a quick thing, a quick outline for the elders. It says, although we likely see some good qualities in our neighbors, workmates, or schoolmates, does that mean that they are good associates? What can help us determine if someone is good association or not? And there's two questions in this workbook. Will their companionship help me improve my relationship with Jehovah? That's question number one. And question number two is, what do their conversations reveal about what is important to them? A.K.A. do they talk about spiritual things or not? Finally, it concludes by saying, ask yourself, what effect are my associates having on my relationship with Jehovah? Anyone, close quote, anyone who is not an active Jehovah's Witness, who is actively inviting you to the meetings and asking you out on field service to preach door to door, anyone who's not doing that is already bad association and you should not associate with them. That causes Jehovah's Witness to only associate with each other. So guess what happens when they get this fellowship? They have absolutely no one to go to. Additionally, the way you come back from being disfellowshipped requires that you be a good little witness boy or girl, that you be a good witness. You go to every meeting. You don't miss any meetings. You don't associate with any witnesses and you don't form close associations with worldly people. So to become, to come back from being disfellowshipped, you have to live a life of no close friends, of being completely alone, for, for six probably months, a year or more. A year. No, you say six months. Have you met a single person that was reinstated within six months? Children of I elders. Children oh, of elders. Yeah, okay. But, but six let's months be honest, is the legal for the vast minimum. majority of people, 
you're probably going to be isolated and alone for nine months and you're not allowed to talk to anybody you can talk to the elders but you're not hanging out with them Uh, yeah you can talk to elders them about you can talk to the elders only the ones in your judicial committee, mind you. And how repentant about your you are. Sin. Like how, how far you've gone That's along about it. into showing that you're repentant enough, finally, to go back. If you're not repentant, you don't really talk to anyone. Kevin McFree of the Dubtown channel has a great video where he, uh, he edits it with um, Lego pieces, but he actually has a recording of a judicial committee where the, the victim pleads with them because for the last six months... She has gone to every meeting and she has had no worldly friends and no witness friends and she's been alone for six months. And they say, okay, well, uh, I don't, you know, we don't think you're quite there yet. So we'd like to meet with you again in a, in a few more months. And she cries and begs them, please, I'm doing everything, it's, but I can't take it. And, it's heartbreaking. And yeah, it's a heartbreaking uh, video with made from real audio. I have two final thoughts, and then I would like to go into a very brief new segment. The first thought I have is about the fact that in America, a lot of people freak out about the concept of Sharia law. You will see a lot of, especially right-wing people, who fear Muslims because some groups of Muslims practice these strict internal judicial committees. And Jehovah's Witnesses have that. They have that. And nobody notices because... Or talks about it. Or talks about it. Because Jehovah's Witnesses are so good at acting like they're this there's this little group that's going around and, and trying to save people. But they have an internal judicial committee that bypasses the law so that crimes are handled internally. And people are punished with different forms of, of shaming and, and actual like sanctions and punishments for, for voting, for doing holidays, for doing any, any behavior that... that um, that violates their rules. It is Sharia law in the United States and no one notices because they're a Christian group. Um, so... Oh, you had a second thought. Oh, go ahead. Oh, yeah, second thought. Um, Sight. I also wanted to talk about um, private reproof. We kind of skipped over this. Um, in the case that you did something that is qualifies you to be disfellowshipped, but you convince them you're sorry, you normally get publicly reproved. But in the case that no one knows that you did what you did, except for the elders, in that case, you can get a private reproof if the elders feel generous. <clears throat> a private reproof <clears throat> only you know about. But you're under restrictions, and we forgot to mention this in the public reproof section. People who are reproved for a certain number of months, um, they cannot comment in meetings and they cannot give public prayers, like over meals. So if you're publicly reproved, you get the same sanctions. You lose any of your privileges in the hall, you can't raise your hand. Um, But nobody knows but you. But if someone asks you to say a prayer, you have to decline. That creates a little sense of paranoia that anytime someone isn't raising their hands to comment... um, For a bit too long. For a bit too many meetings. Yeah, if if they don't comment often enough... Or if they, uh, if they don't say public prayers, maybe they're bad association. So if it creates an incentive for you to do those things to show people that you're not reproved. And once your approval period is over, you desperately try to comment more to try to get out of that bad association label. 
ultimately, I think we can sum this up with um, by sh- by subliminally shunning the entire world your entire life. When it comes down to shunning individuals or being shunned yourself as a witness, although it hurts and it tears your heart apart, it is just normal day rank and file for them. It is. It's heartbreaking, but they are trained to take it and they are trained to victimize themselves whenever someone else is getting disfellowshipped and and act like, you know, we hear wars and reports of wars, but it, it, it which is way more painful than experiencing it. So ultimately, what what we're talking about here is once you start on the punishment ladder for witnesses, it's really, really hard to get back off of it because you cannot just jump off at the top. You have to come all the way back down. Even if you got reinstated, you're given your privileges over time. So the the whole shunning arrangement runs so much deeper than just the disfellowshipping arrangement, which is the one that is often talked about in the news. What you need to know about Jehovah's Witnesses is Shunning doesn't start there. It starts much earlier and it starts with young children and it's bad. Yeah. If you're wondering, if if you're not a Jehovah's Witness and you're wondering how is it that Jehovah's Witnesses can do this to one another, they're probably already doing it to you and you don't even notice. I think that concludes our five ways that Jehovah's Witnesses shun. As you can tell... There are many ways that they intersect and there's many gray areas in between because it's so messy and so human that it's it it, it it's not very well defined. So we could we can talk about this for several hours, but instead of doing that, let's go to the surprise segment we have. That's right. Thank you, Caleb. Um we have a new segment tonight, and it is the first time we're ever doing this, and hopefully not the last. I'm calling it Letters from Readers. Or well. I'm calling it Letters from Viewers. No. Ooh, nice. I like this. I have one. Okay, so here's the one I'm going to read. Hi, guys. I'm a fan of the podcast and have listened to all the episodes. I was never a Jehovah's Witness myself, but my mom was raised a third-generation Jehovah's Witness. She left before I was born, and I didn't understand until the last few years how grateful I should be to her for shielding me from this insanity. Strangely, my mom was not disfellowshipped, nor my uncle that left. I think because of my grandfather being an elder, perhaps? I'm not sure, but could you help me understand if that's a possibility? That is an interesting message. And yeah, I think that is that is a possibility. I, Jehovah's Witness indoctrination go in... It gets in very deep. And I think what this person is talking about is what we usually... Uh, think of as a pomi physically out mentally in meaning you're not going to the meetings physically you're, you're, you're not actually doing anything that you're supposed to do as a witness you are spiritually weak maybe a bad association but you still fully believe in the doctrine even if you're not doing even if you're you're not an active jehovah's witness uh, actually uh, i have to add a little bit because i do have a follow-up one uh, i didn't read the whole thing but yeah. um the this viewer does uh express that their mother um, <clears throat> does not like Jehovah's Witnesses and talks badly about them in private, um, but is not shunned, and they and the family will still speak to her. Why do you think that is? I think... Not a lot of us can do that. Do you want my theory, or do you want to go first? Because I've already thought about sure. this. Sure. 
No, that is that is that is a that is a not situation. What's your theory? Theory. 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 I, th- I yeah, I, I was gonna mispronounce it, so I'm just gonna lean into my, it. Go. My theory is that they've been labeled bad association. So they're they're in a situation where <clears throat> they have not committed a gross sin, as far as the witnesses know. The witnesses don't know that they've celebrated Christmas or done something that will get them disfellowshipped, or they've been away so long that the elder body has forgotten they have jurisdiction. And um, and they are still part of the family. So as long as they are not disfellowshipped and they haven't broken a rule that could get them disfellowshipped, they are seen as either an inactive witness or just bad association. Um, so people won't try too hard to pull them into things, um, and they don't want to have one-on-one relationships with them, but they have no problem being around them. It's, it's the loophole. Essentially, if you get labeled bad association, you're the same as a worldly person, except you can still be disfellowshipped if you break a rule. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's an interesting theory. <laughs> I think I agree with it. So this person, I have a shorter message um, that uh, it's not really a question or anything. It's, it's, just, it's just because I'm feeling self-indulgent, I guess. So, oh, I didn't ask if I could share their name, don't, even though it's a pseudonym. We'll just call them Jay. So Jay says, hi, I enjoyed Babel on the Great on Saturday. I was cutting the lawn at the Kingdom Hall and listening to your podcast. I have headphones just for such an occasion. Keep up the good work. Isn't that great? Like, isn't that the best way to listen to this podcast? Thank you. I don't think anyone can beat that. That is so cool. Thank you so, so much. That honestly, that made, I was having a really crappy day when I, when I got that message. And when I got that message, that like instantly lifted my mood. That was, that is so nice. Thank you so much for sending that. But it's just... Yeah, thank you so much. I love the irony of it. Yes, I love it. I'm back at the Kingdom Hall, apparently. <laughs> In a way, yeah. It's like you're giving a public talk. Anyway, now that we feel better about ourselves, let's move on to our final segment. Let's move on. You need to move on one day, so why not today with Dax? Dax, what do you have for us today? Hi. Um... So I know that I suggested the idea for this segment a long time ago, um, but I think it is so important to be angry. And here's why I say this. I was thinking about this a lot today because most people who make content, XJW content, receive messages from ex-Jehovah's Witnesses saying, you know, you should just let it go and, you know, move on with your life. And I'm not going to do that. And and I suggest you don't either, because here's the thing. It's going to continue to antagonize you for the rest of your life for as long as you push it off. Take the time you need to feel angry. And then if you want to move on, if you felt your feelings and you want to move on, fine. But until you have felt your feelings, you're not going to be able to move on by saying, I choose to ignore it. This is going to be a problem that continues until the witnesses go away and are probably not going to go away, especially if people keep moving on. And so if you would like to join me in not moving on and taking a stand for arguably what is right, um, join me. Um, I'm raising an army. You can contact me on Twitter at no. Um, you can find me on Twitter. Oh, uh, but a, truly, a powerful, though, a, a large army, a, a a large large army, army of a lot of LGBTQ plus, but either way. So, um, seriously though, I mean that I know we talk a lot about moving on, but I also think it's important to honor the experience you've been through and you would never tell a Vietnam victim, not well, sure. Victim. Yeah. A Vietnam vet, um, 
to just move on from some of the stuff they've seen or the treatment they got when they came back. You would never look at them in the face and say, just move on. You would never do that to traumatize people. And you need to respect the fact that you've been traumatized. And so even if that means you want to be an activist, that's great. But it's hard. It's hard and it hurts. And you need to recognize when you need to take a break. But either way, don't let other people tell you to move on. And don't move on faster than you're ready to or you're only going to cause damage. So basically, our advice for moving on today is don't move on until you're ready. Take your time. Feel, you can be angry. Yeah, feel your feelings. Feel your feelings because if you don't feel them, they're I not going to go anywhere. Fantastic. I love it. That is, I'm, I'm, I'm joining that. I'm, I'm, I'm stealing that. that oh, no, you don't get to do that. I have a tip, tip, but you're going to have to give one still. My tip is the <laughs> elders don't have power over you anymore. You have to remember that because as we go through all these other things, even if you are bad association or uh or spiritually weak you always feel that looming threat of the elders even if you are not part of the congregation you know that they can they can take you apart at any time and so knowing that you're not accountable to these people you're just accounting accountable to your own conscience um, i think it's really important to lose that fear of being different a fear of deviating because when you're a Jehovah's Witness, you're always afraid of what other people think about you. The punishments of private and public reproof change based on what people know. You're worried about appearances all the time. You're worried about what people will see, what will get filtered back, what will get you marked. The elders don't have power over you anymore, and you don't have to live in fear. Awesome. My tip for moving on, I think, since I need to have a, a tip, apparently. No, I, I, I think I have a pretty good one. Fuck, I forgot. I'm high, and I forgot. Hold on, hold on. I'll get it. Hold on. Don't don't say anything. Oh. If you want to get into activism, or if you want to get into making videos or whatever, that's great. You don't have to. But if you want to do it, it, and you don't know where to start, some people say, just tell your story. That is great. I think that 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 can be very cathartic. And if that's what you want to do, go for it. But what I would suggest is that... uh, with making your story or telling your story, you make the video that would have woken you up. Or you, you, you write the blog post that would have woken you up. Like you, you, do, you, you put out there. If you want to put something out there, put something out there that would have woken you up. Because clearly, that is what's missing. And only you have the power of see that. Because a lot of people are going to wake up if they just have that, that uh, information with you. So that, that would mess. That would be my suggestion. I think I think it's pretty cohesive with the rest of I think this was all yeah. fantastic advice, and I think it's time for tacos. Yes. We, we are late, and the bar's closing in now. We gotta go. So we gotta I go. Think we're just, yeah, time to move yeah, on, guys. Let's we, go. We have cigarettes <laughs> and stuff. Like, no, you, 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 do, you do. You do. You do. I am not touching that stuff. We'll see you I, on the I, next yep, week, and, and we'll, we'll cut this bit at some point. I, I'm assuming right now. It's Goodbye. taco time.